1: 7.55 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hey, welcome back to 7.55 is real. What's up, people? I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. Long time no see. I'm with my co-host as usual, former Braves reliever Eric O'Flaherty. What's up, Eric? It's been a minute. What's going on? Man, are your boys growing up now?
0: <laughs> it's happening fast. I can tell you that. You look away and they're, they're changing every day. But no, we... Winter's hard because we're cooped up in the house, so I'm ready for uh, spring.
1: What's uh, winter like in Walla Walla compared to Seattle?
0: It's cold. It's cold because yeah. it only gets down, you know, 40, 50 in Seattle, but it's just raining all the time. Yeah. You wind up staying inside here a lot because it's been 25, 30. You get actual winter where you are now. It's real winter, yeah. Kind of nice, something different.
1: Well, this uh, offseason has been as slow and boring as we thought it was going to be. <laughs> Yeah, but things have certainly picked up in the last couple of days with the Hall of Fame, and now finally doing some ne- real negotiations. And uh, so there's a lot to talk about here. But I think most of, I, I, if I'm uh, reading the room correctly, I think uh, Braves fans are probably still most concerned about the Freddie Freeman situation. Would you uh, Would you agree with that assessment?
0: It's kind of a pressing matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, around baseball, there's a lot to talk about, but there's nothing more important in Atlanta than Freddie Freeman and, and his free agency. So I thought Kenny Rosenthal wrote a, something really good in the athletic a couple of days ago, um, uh, pointing out that coming out of this lockout, things are going to be at a frenzied pitch. You've talked about this. And I remember 94, 95 strike when it ended in spring training, how crazy things got. It was chaos, man, the signings, how fast it happens. And I think it's going to be like that, uh, to maybe even a greater degree, coming out of this thing, depending on how close we are to spring training, but it's going to be a free agent frenzy. And we've talked about this, even though teams aren't supposed to talk to agents, we all know that they are talking to agents because why wouldn't they? You know, yeah. <laughs> neither side's going to be reporting the other, and they want to get deals done. So I, I think there's going to be some deals happen right away in that day coming out, and Kenny. Kenny noted that uh, either the Braves or Freddie Freeman can make kind of a preemptive first strike thing. Uh, Freddie, because he knows, you know, free agency, those, those the bigger spots could, could, could uh, get filled quickly. And if he's not certain, the Braves are going to make him a, the offer that he's looking for. And then the Braves, on the other hand, if they think they might really lose Freddie, if they're not willing to pay him what he wants, they've already talked to the A's about, Olson, and we've talked about Olsen being a perfect uh, replacement if you have to replace Freddie, yeah. but I, I, we're both – Matt Olsen, that is, who's from suburban Atlanta, big power guy, gold glove defensive guy, two years younger than Freddie, but also uh, – or no, four years younger than Freddie, I think, uh, but also two years from free agency. So that is certainly not all roses uh, if you were to get Matt Olsen because you're going to give up prospects to get him big time yeah. because and there's a lot of teams him that want it.
0: He's gonna. He's you gotta not gonna pay be cheap in a couple of years either.
1: That's what. Uh, that's what. Kenny made a great point of uh, talking about how. I'm gonna make sure I got the age right. Uh, Freddie's 32. Madelson's 28. Is that is that right? Do you have Madelson up?
0: No, I could check it, but
1: check. check I, that. It's
0: shocking that he's only four years younger than Freddie. As long as Freddie's been in the league, he's 27. Yeah, 27, March 29th, 94.
1: Okay, so he'll be 28. So he's, yeah, about four years younger than yeah. Freddie. So, um, but he he's two years. Yeah, he's a late, one of those guys that's getting screwed by the current system because he's going to be 30 years old when he has free agency, you know, or close yeah. to it. Yeah. And, and that's why the players are involved, to get on the other side, subject, uh, why the players are looking to, uh, to shorten the period, to become free agents because the game is skewed so much younger now, but guys like him and max free, they're not going to hit free agency until they're, you know, almost 30.
0: Yeah. And that's right. When teams start saying, maybe, yeah. you know, we want to give you two, three year deal. We don't want to pay you yeah. when you're 36, 37, maybe breaking down.
1: Right. So that's why I think the players' association has a really good case to be made. Although I don't think they're going to get all they want, obviously in these negotiations, but that's something they got to look at between that and, and arbitration, they also trying to shorten that, but they've given up the ghost on that one for this year. They know it's not going to get done. They wanted to go from what three years to two, and that's not going to happen. But uh, and take free agency from six years to five. But anyway, getting back to Matt Olson, um, big time numbers last year. Uh, he's he's obviously you know at his peak right now, and 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 he might very well do everything Freddie could do statistically, but. Like, uh, like, uh, Ken pointed out, you're going to give up prospects to get him because he's one of the hottest guys on the trade market. And then in two years, you're going to have to pay him as a free agent. So while you may have to pay him less than 30 million for the next two years in arbitration, you know, probably up between 25 and 30, um, you might have to pay him 200 million to keep him for uh, like eight years. You know, if you were to sign him long-term, buy out six years of free agency, uh, before, you know, before you get to free agency. Yeah. So. Between paying him two hundred million to keep for eight years and giving up prospects, is it really uh a smart move not to just re-sign Freddie for six years at Kitty threw out one hundred sixty five there? I think it's gonna take more than that now. Um, but who knows? Um I, I still just think it makes so much more sense and the the backlash they're gonna get from fans. Well right? it, it makes to sign Freddie. Yeah, not to mean, especially roster after roster winning a World have.
0: Series, you know, yeah. I mean, you win a World Series most of the time. Most teams reward their guys and it's not always your star player, MVP you know, type of dude yeah. that that is hitting free agency. So maybe it's a little different. But normally you sign back as many guys as you can from that team as possible and try to keep that unit together and, and do it again. Now, the thing that sucks for Freddie is he hasn't he hasn't really gotten a full taste of free agency. Because normally the right. you, you, offseason starts and teams kind of right. slow play it. They want to see where the market's at. And you start getting your real offers right about now. Um, he hasn't even gotten to talk to teams or or see what's out there, you know, in a sense. And, and you know, right. for the team, that probably works in their favor. Because once, once spring training sure. starts getting close and you don't have a house or anything lined up, you kind of start panicking and, and wanting to be signed. So that's another reason I could see it happen quick. but. Who knows? Who knows what? I mean, he could have been close on deals. He could have had offers, and then everything shut down. So, Especially if
1: you got three little kids like Freddie. You're not, you know, and the family is so important to him and his wife. You know, with her stuff and uh, yeah. her business and and taking care of the kids. They they don't want to be finding out in the last week where they're going to be going to spring training. You know.
0: No, it sucks. It sucks not having a place lined up, but. You know, I, Freddie travels a little different than a. I was
1: gonna say, even though you got private jet, you still don't. You yeah. still want to know where you're gonna be.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. have
1: time to kind of scout it out and get a place. Uh, he can
0: afford the rate hike if he has to sign a shorter <laughs> lease.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. uh Yeah, you're talking about. You know, you win the World Series, man. Like the Nationals, the year they won the World Series, they had to make the choice on who they're going to keep. They yep. made the, arguably the wrong choice. They kept the, the injury-prone pitcher. But, you know, the Braves aren't really in that position where they have to make a choice on who they want to keep. They have, they're have they in a good spot as yep. far now the three free agent outfielders, but they were only here for a few months. It's not like they became so attached to the fan base. All the fans would love to have Soler and Jock Peterson and Rosario back, but they understand they might not get any of them or one probably at the most And because Adam Duvall is still under contractual control. But the Braves aren't in that position where they got two guys hitting free agency, where they got to pay a ton of money. They could keep Freddie Freeman, yeah, you know, and still come in with a payroll under, say, one hundred and eighty million, and and that's very reasonable for how much their revenue spiked last year. Their yeah. revenues—they are pouring in cash, man. I mean, yeah. it's like. They made so much money last year compared to the year before. Not just to compare to the year before with no fans, but compared to the last full year with fans in, in the house in twenty nineteen. Yeah. They made a lot more uh, money this year, and that's not even accounting yet for the final quarter when they were raking it in for a whole extra month with the postseason.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the money's there. It's it's the the money's there all over the league, but it's just it, you can't force teams to spend money, and that's what this whole lockouts about is you know the players don't really feel like there's enough teams competing or spending money and all that and I, I get people not not feeling sorry for millionaires I get that but that's just part of the process with with Freddie though it's like you know you for me it's just where do you draw the line on how big a discount you're willing to take to stay stay right. where you've been and and get compensated fairly for who he's been as a player you know if he's if it's 50 million short, can you be mad at a guy for, for taking that? If it's 10 million short, I bet he stays. If it's 20 million, I bet he stays. But at some point, you got to be like, right. all right, hometown right. discounts, I want to do it, but we're talking $50 million now.
1: And the other thing is, if it's 20 million and the other markets that have been bandied about and speculated upon, New York and California markets, the state income tax, local income tax
0: difference is huge huge. It's, it's 11 and 13.
1: So, I mean, you're talking about 20 million ain't even worth it, you know, right. it's, yeah. with the comfort factor here being in Atlanta, all that too. Yeah. On top of that, you already got your house here too. Yeah. So you don't even have to go buy a house and all that. So, it's going to have to make it worth his while. I know he's pissed off too. So, he's not going to want, I, if I'm Freddie, I don't want to take a hometown discount after what they've, you know, the way they've handled this. But, you, you you were willing to take, you know, a little less maybe to stay here just because yeah. of the comfort factor. And you do love all your teammates, too, and your yeah. coaches. It ain't their fault, you know, that this thing's been extended the way it is, the way it has been. So yeah. a and lot you, to think about if you're Freddie Freeman.
0: He's not this type of guy, but you got to think, you know, if he was playing for the Dodgers or Yankees, even when you talk about Hall of Fame, all this stuff down the road, the guys that if Andrew Jones played for the Yankees, yeah. You know, I mean it's a totally different conversation being on that stage and, and, and in that media market. But luckily for the Braves, yeah. Freddie's not the type of guy that wants to be wants to be blown up and be on sports and everything. He's more low key and just kind of wants to, to do his job and go home. But you have to think yeah. about those things too. I mean, how much different is his whole career looked at if he'd been doing what he's doing in Atlanta in New York this whole time?
1: Yeah, hey, on the other side of that, like Kenny pointed out, when you go to another market, say the Braves get uh, Olsen. Yeah. Or Freddie goes somewhere else. The Braves fans, like when Freddie started slow the last couple of years, Braves fans aren't going to boo Freddie Freeman. Right. Braves fans are, you know, if yeah, he has a bad year, yeah. if he has a bad year, if he signs a big extension with the Braves, or now it's not extension, now it's just a contract, and has a bad year, he's still going to be treated like a king here. For yeah. a, they'll give him a year to have yeah. a bad year if he needs to. If he goes somewhere else. On a big contract yeah. and has a bad year. They have no emotional attachment yep. to him. And some of those markets, they're going to be booing him within a weeks. Yep. He's not going to go to Philly. But if he did go to Philly and started out slow there, they'd <laughs> yeah. be – same thing with the Mets. Yep. Not going to go to the Mets. But if he did, Yankees, they're going to boo, man. So – you also got to think about that. I know Freddie Freeman's very confident in what he can do, and he's not going to go somewhere and struggle, and he's not injury-prone. But, like, look at Andrew Jones, man. When he went to the Dodgers, when he left here and went to the Dodgers, yeah. now he was beat up. Mm-hmm. He was beat up, and but his performance was really – went off a cliff, and they didn't care who – what he won 10 straight gold gloves here and part, part of the World Series championship team or or or, or that he uh, uh, hit 400-some home runs or whatever. You know, they just – Here's we're paying this guy. Look what he's doing now. So I don't know, man. It's uh, I just didn't think it would come to this. You know, I it, you you yeah. were you earlier than me thought you, there was some doubt, but I, I didn't think that it would come to this. And uh, but it came to this.
0: Well, I just know like the player mindset is the closer you get to free agency, the more you want to taste it. You know, like when you're when you're two years out and you get offered a fair extension. Right. There's a lot of shit that can happen in the next two years. Tear your ACL, you know, career-threatening injury. It's That that security has a lot of value. But when you're, like, in his shoes, he was four months away when, when we were talking about it. Spring yeah. training, six months away. The closer you get to it, the more it's like, well, I might as well go see what's out there. And I, honestly, I think that's probably more what, what he did than anything, is he just wanted to make sure he wasn't taking a shitty discount. You know, make sure right. it's not make sure i'm not leaving 60 million on the table or something and
1: yeah he had to with the offer they made him yeah. reportedly made him you know it wasn't it wasn't insulting yeah. but it was low compared yeah. to what he can what he knew he could get you yeah. know he had to at that point
0: and he had to had to play a whole season with the pressure of if i suck this year you know that's his first time in what seven years he had to play a season where if he sucked there could be repercussions no or if he got money, hurt get hurt you know so i think it, it gets probably, hit by
1: fastball like it happened before.
0: Yep. It pisses you off in a sense of, of the team putting me in this position. And, you know, teams have their budgets and what they want to spend. I can't criticize their side of it or how they're doing things. I just know if, if I'm in his shoes and I'm four months out, three months out, two months out, and then you get there, you know, you're not signing in November. And then everything yeah. gets locked out. So for me now, it'll, it'll come down to when it's over. I'm sure his agents had time to communicate and, and he wants to get it going. I think it'll happen pretty quick either way.
1: Yeah. Not to mention the, that he, how many times he had to answer the questions about all this. year. I mean, yeah. if you're trying to play in a postseason and you're getting asked at every press conference about how this could be the, your last game with the Braves, that yeah. sucks, man. Yeah. That yeah. sucks. I felt bad for Freddie to have to, and he answered him of course, cause wonderfully because he's Freddie Freeman, but man, I would have been pissed. I'd been like, I don't want to talk about this shit anymore, man.
0: Yeah, well, you've know? been talking about it for two years. Same question. Yeah, it seemed yeah, like it. It gets but, old.
1: And I, and I'm sure his agent has talked to some teams, but at the same time, they haven't been able to do that public negotiating stuff where you weigh one team's offer off another in the in the media, drive yeah. the price up. It's a little different when you're having to call teams and go, "Hey, I'm just so you know, we're getting this kind of offer from this team," and and then you and you're also running into things where you could get in trouble for talking to teams if you're saying, "Yeah, telling this team that this
0: other team made this offer and all this." So, I'd say he has a good feel. He has a good feel yeah, for. I would too. Where everybody's at now, and he'll be able to make his decision.
1: Yeah, and I think the Braves probably have a good feel on uh, realistically what what they're willing to go to and and their chance that is of of, of him returning here. So. Um, I think he's probably giving them that, you know, right of last refusal type thing. You know, here's, yeah. the, here's the offer. What are you guys going to do? Can you beat it? He's probably giving them something like that. But at the same time, if uh, if they get a sense, you know, if the A's say, you know, look, we got we got three teams ready to make this, pull the trigger on this trade for Matt Olson. We need to know what you're going to do. Something's going to have to happen. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to make a decision before they're real comfortable making
0: it. Well, I mean, it's just like the lockout. They didn't talk about shit for – like yeah. 45 days and then you start getting closer and things have to get going it's that's when people make decisions so I mean, i'm not surprised it didn't happen before the lockout but i'd be surprised if if the lockout ends and we don't have you know answer one way or another after a week or two
1: oh yeah I'd, a week or two most maybe a yeah. day or two yeah <laughs> depending on how close we are to spring training eric let's hear from today's sponsors You know they waited and waited and waited, and we knew they would. You said they would. Nothing was going to get done before uh, January. Um, uh, realistically, we've talked about this. Yeah, pitchers are the only ones that need six weeks of spring training, and, yeah. and they can do. You could start as a pitcher. You're throwing now anyway, you, yeah. and you can get. You could do your work at home that you would be doing in those first couple weeks of camp. The hitters can get by with three or four weeks and be fine. Yep. Yeah. That's more than enough time. The first week or two of Grapefruit League, normally you're playing all the prospects anyway. And then at the end, the last week, the hitters are going, let's go, we're ready, you know? So just, you could condense all that into three or four weeks and that'd be fine.
0: I thought you made a good point, you know, before we got on saying that teams really aren't too worried about losing April because they they don't get good attendance in April. But players get paid the same the whole year. So there's definitely, I I don't know. I mean, I've talked to some guys and, you know, the first couple offers that MLB made to the Players Association was like, you know, you're trying to buy a used car and they, they want right. 15 grand yeah. over MSRP or something for it. Yeah. You know, like they wanted to lock this out and they didn't they didn't really make any effort to to avoid it because they want to put that pressure on them. But we'll just see. I mean, it's it's an ugly thing. I hate seeing I hate seeing how it plays out publicly, you know, because you wind up with the fans just pissed at both sides. And no doubt. M- maybe rightfully so, I don't know, but it's, it's just part of business. And when I've watched this whole thing, kind of like, whatever, don't care. Tell me when there's news, you know, cause it's hard for me to get emotional about it. Knowing it's all just, it's all just a business strategy on both sides.
1: Billionaires versus millionaires. Yeah. And the, the, the 99 point, whatever percent of us, <laughs> yeah. you know, fans cannot relate to that. Yeah, You know, they have no, it's like monopoly money and they just look at it and go, if we're forced to make, uh, negotiations or talk to, you know, we get stuff done because we can't just, you know, we don't have all this money in the bank that we can sit back and and wait till things happen. Um, they're living paycheck to paycheck, man. I'm trying to pay for kids education. They're saying, you know, and then, and then it's like a huge investment to take the family to a ball game. So when you got people in the off season, Haggling over hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. It's like, come on, man, just get this done. You're taking a big portion or percentage yep. of my earnings for me to go watch you play. Do us the favor of getting this damn thing settled. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's so, for me, that's
0: the one point I don't like when people make is when they try to blame ticket prices and stuff on player salaries. Right. I, right I mean hot dog's still gonna cost 27 where do the Braves get Freddie for 160 or 120 you know th- those Park prices are gonna be
1: 20 30 40 50 yeah, bucks
0: that's that's just what you know there's enough people willing to pay it so that's what they're going to charge whether it's fair or not you know I I think that's one of the worst things about the game is all those upper deck seats that are always empty because they're still charging whatever 25 30 bucks a ticket like give them away for a dollar and fill the stadium up and, and make the environment yeah. better but
1: There used to be a lot more of those dollar nights and that kind of thing, too, you know, especially early season. You know, when school's still in session, those should be those tickets should be five bucks, man. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The owners, other than opening day in April, there's a lot of empty seats in ballparks, especially in places where it's cold, which is the majority of ballparks. So if they lose 10 games in April to get what they want. Yeah. they
0: will do that worth it for them
1: owners whereas players like you said are gonna, they get paid the same amount whether it's a game in april yeah. or a game in july or a game in september the owners if they have to knock out part or most of april they will do that if it gets them a lot the a lot more of what they want in these hard negotiations with players they will and they just went through it and they lost a whole season of fans you know and played 60 games
0: and they're all you know, doing lost all right.
1: broadcast Lots yep. of broadcast and fans. So if they have to go 10 games without him, they'll do it unfortunately cuz I think that sucks cuz then you have to redo the whole schedule and all that and uh um and push back everything and people that people plan vacations around this crap, man. I mean, it's yeah. like uh, you know, People, people are jacked up about opening day and that being there for that first week of games or whatever, that first weekend. So all of a sudden you tell them, sorry, we're not going to be playing now. We got to haggle over this money, man.
0: Yeah. it's so. The bottom line is this is really bad for the game.
1: Bad, bad, bad. No
0: matter how long it lasts, the, the fact that it's even happened, the, the whole thing is, you know, when you look at the fans, there's they're not going to feel bad for anybody involved. They just want baseball back. And the longer this goes on, the worse it is for baseball.
1: After the 94-95 strike, which was a strike, this is a lockout, very different. Um, but it was for fans, it wasn't very different. They look at it as the same, yeah, work same. stoppage. You guys are haggling. Yeah. It's a very different thing, but it ain't to them. So after that, I mean, I literally heard people saying for the next 10 years, you'll even hear some today saying, I've never gone back to baseball since then. But I heard it all the time for the next 10 years. Yeah. They lost me with the strike. I'm not back because it cost them the World Series and the playoffs, all that. And they, that, that did so much damage to the game. And uh, you know, people are right when they say the steroid, the driven uh, home run chase saved the game because it did, and, and <laughs> it, it really did that year. I'll give them that. I was covering it, and that got a lot of interest back in the game. So that was the one good thing about.
0: <laughs> I've seen steroids. I've seen people saying, you know, why why does Bud Sealy get in because he oversaw all that steroid stuff, but his. <laughs> His job wasn't to play it clean. His job was to get right. baseball back, you know. So it's right. almost like for Whatever me, it that's took. him turning a blind eye is kind of a plus at him, you know, having a feel for his job and and what his goal was, you know, whether whether he belongs in there or not. I just I look at it like, yeah, he knew how important that was for the game, and and he, he didn't have to get his body ready.
1: I think sometimes people forget who pays the the uh, commissioner's salary. Yeah, yeah. he is. He is the, the bosses are his are the owners. Yep. They're his boss, so he does yeah. what satisfies them. Yep, you know? that's it. That's why Manford could do things sometimes that you're just like, Good Lord, does he know what a prick he's coming across? as? to <laughs> he doesn't care yep. what the fans or the players shit. to a lot to the most large extent yep. he cares about what the owners think, and yep. he's making them money, and that's all that matters, unfortunately. Yep, so, um, <laughs> but and then just so people are clear, too. Us baseball writers, we did not ha- We did not vote for Bud Selig for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think sometimes people think we voted him in. That was the era committee that voted him in. We had nothing to do with Bud Selig being in the Hall of Fame. If that was left up to the writers, he would not have been voted into the Hall of Fame, just so we're clear on that. So anyway, um, Hall of Fame. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, one guy gets voted in yesterday. Not a surprise if you're following this thing along, you know, um, the the home the uh, Hall of Fame tracker is great that uh, not Mister Tibbs does on uh, on Twitter. It's really accurate, and he said all along, even when those guys were running seventy eight eighty percent. You know, Bonds and Clemens, they kept noting that when the when the ballots that are not made public are counted drops every year, those percentage of their, their, and and so we pretty much knew from following this thing, those guys weren't going to get in and they really didn't get close. They didn't even get 70% Clemens and bonds. So they're off now. That was the 10th year for them and for Sosa and for Schilling. Schilling would have been in (laughs) if if he wasn't, if he wasn't an idiot, man, that's probably one I agree
0: with the least is, is him just not getting in for being an asshole.
1: He would have been in if he's not just a total asshole. I mean, (laughs) he was just a jerk that's fine we voted in a lot of jerks i don't care i mean there's a lot of people i vote for that i don't like yeah and i voted for Schilling. and i can't stand Schilling yeah. as a person and what he stands for what he talks about but he's a hall of fame player to me no nope, yeah. hands down yeah but i'm but but a lot of people didn't see it like me and when he said take me off the ballot a lot of people said okay i'll take you off my ballot you know fuck you man and they yeah. did they took him off the ballot so his is if you look at his uh, Hall of Fame voting arc, it's going to be like <laughs> an unprecedented because he's like this close. He's over seventy percent last year, and that's a lock to get in the following year. You know when you yeah. get that close, but he went back down, so he's off the ballot now. And and if he thought his peers, you know, and uh, the era committee that he was a lock for them to vote him in. I think he should, if he was smart, which he's shown repeatedly that he's not, or if he just wasn't such an, a, a, an ass, um, he would have just, you know, sucked it up for a year, got voted in. And then he could have said, you know, yeah, he could have been Suck a jerk. Yeah, he could have been, <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to have an acceptance speech. I'm in. Screw yeah. you guys. You didn't yeah. like me. so he could have done that if he wanted to, yeah. but instead he wanted to, you know, give the, us, us the finger and think that, the, that he was a, a lock for the, uh, error committee and i don't think he is i mean that's a lot of players and if you weren't his teammate a lot of them don't like him right and then some of the things he said you know some of the political stuff some of the hate speech might not offend some older people i don't want to throw anybody under the bus but it might not offend some the way it offended a lot of the writers but it's going to offend some and a lot of people just don't want him to be any part of the hall of fame some of the things he said and just what a jerk he's been so it's going to be interesting, but I do not expect him to get in at least the first time with that era committee when it meets in December. Yeah, there's a lot of a people fighting for him. <laughs> I mean
0: like no. if you if you if you scroll through Twitter or or yeah. you know some social media or turn on there's a lot of people fighting for Bonds and Clemens and thinking they but even former right. players I don't see too many guys dying on that hill for Schilling to get in and you yeah. know if you look at his numbers he should be there.
1: Even if they liked him as a teammate. Yeah. And why wouldn't you like him as a teammate? Um, what he did, the things he said, I know a lot of people don't want, and even if they have still talk to him, a lot of people yeah. don't want to attach themselves to that. Right. They don't want to look like they're supporting that. So yeah. that's going to hurt him with the votes, you know, when it comes out. I mean, if you're on that 16 man committee, that new, the era committee, the votes in December and he gets say 12 votes and gets in, you got to get 75% of those votes too, 12, then Unless you come out and say, I didn't vote for him, you're going to get lumped in with you voted for him. So there's a lot of people that do not want to be part of that and don't think he should be – that. and also they, they cringe at the thought of him making a speech in Cooperstown,
0: what he might say. He's going to – yeah. Well, especially now. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. for me, it's – I don't think character – you know, either character's part a huge part of it and you reward all the guys that did it right and were good, like a Fred McGriff type of guy – It's like he 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 represented the league, you know, so well Dale Murphy, these guys have to get in. And I guess that for me, that's the 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 hardest part for me about getting real excited about this whole thing is everybody has their own criteria. You know?
1: Absolutely. They never make it real clear to us how we should vote, what we should stress, should should we
0: Yeah. Like for me, I talk to you about it, and you're like, I'll never vote for a steroid guy. And that's that's your thing. You know, I, I can't I can't have a problem with that and I'm torn on it. I'm torn right. on it. Days I wake up feeling like shit. Yeah. You know, I'm 36 and I wake up and I'm if I want to go play golf, I gotta stretch and do all this crap to get my body ready to go play stupid right. golf, right? And I look at a guy that's hitting 40 homers at 38, you know, two years older than me. They those days where I'm feeling my body feels terrible and I know that they got that shortcut, because that's what drives a lot of guys out of the game is how they feel, you know. Right those days I'm like, I don't think they should get in, you know, just, just for cheating and extending their career that way. But other days I look at it and I'm like, these guys were hall of famers before they got on the sauce. You know, they were going to put up these numbers anyway.
1: There's arguments on both sides of man. And I don't, I don't pretend, I don't pretend that I'm, uh, (laughs) that what I, that my beliefs on it or the way I'm voting is right. It might not be right, but it's the way I see it. So I mean, but I totally understand, other people look at it as, it wasn't technically against the rules of baseball. There was no rule about it. And until they put it in and guys got suspended, they vote, they don't vote for the guys that got suspended, but they will vote for the guys that didn't get suspended. I understand that. I just don't believe in it because I trust what I know and what I saw, and I don't want to vote for cheaters. Yeah. And then I know some people say, people that did Greenies cheated. Nope. To me, there's a big difference between performance enablers and performance enhancers. That's and true. What those guys did when they were popping greenies back in the day, when they were riding trains and playing day games. After night games yep. and not not treated, not doing first class travel and playing in wool uniforms, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. all this other. with wooden I, shoes. I just, <laughs> right. And and I had look at the body of work, and I don't see any player from then whose numbers just warped the whole thing and distorted yep. the whole statistical view. Where you look at Joe DiMaggio or some guy, you know, I don't know what Joe did. I don't think Joe did he was not known to be a big abuser of anything. But if you knew some guy did a ton of greenies or whatever, you there's nobody you can look at and go, he had 180 RBIs one year when the, nobody else had more than 110. You right. know, there's nobody like that. Yep. And there's nobody that had those numbers in at age 40. So I just think there is a clear and a distinct difference between. And also, when they say Hank did it, that's bullshit, man. Hank wrote in his book and to his, he, he admitted somebody gave him a greenie. He tra- they said, here, try this because he was feeling really low one day. He tried it, said it almost made him – he barely could play. He was so dizzy. He said he never touched anything again. There is no other proof that Hank Aaron ever did anything. One time he did a greenie. That's not – to me, that's not performance enhancing. Yeah. If it almost made the guy vomit, you know, and not be able to play.
0: And for me, that's also a a level playing field. You know, like for me – Right. Guys that – I'm not too mad. You know, obviously, if you see a guy go from hitting – 17 a year to all of a sudden he's sitting 60 for five years it's like well that's probably when he started there's no right. there's, no, like there's no way to re- like sosa you know maybe maybe he wasn't a hall of famer if he didn't get on him no um, he's not but and the other for, guys
1: that would have been i i agree with yeah. you i think bonds and clemens would have been no matter bonds what. especially was already a hall of famer before he went to san francisco and i'm not arguing that and i can respect people that vote for him because he was a hall of famer He's the one guy when I did adopt my policy, because at one point you have to adopt your policy. What's it gonna be? How are you gonna do it? And I don't wanna be one of these wishy washy guys that changes every year because that's yeah. bullshit. Well, it's
0: trendy to vote for bonds now too. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah, you get a and lot I could have made it a lot easier on myself to vote for it, believe me. Yeah. Okay. But I said at one point, he's the one guy I would have voted. Clemens, there was even some debate because when Boston let him go, they saw him breaking down. And all of a sudden he was Superman again with Toronto and the Houston Astros and all that. So I don't know. I still think he had like two Cy Youngs before that, maybe three. Barry Bonds was the best player in the game before he went to San Francisco. Yeah. I think he'd already won three MVPs. He would have been a Hall of Famer. I don't debate that with anybody, you know? And I don't have anything against him personally. And he was a great player. Yeah, I just hate what he did to the game, what he did to the record books. Where he set the bar, what he did to Hank Aaron's record, yeah. that the fact that nobody cares what the home run record is anymore, either the single season or yeah. the career.
0: Well, Do you even joke. know how
1: many home runs he hit in his career? No. You played the game. Do you know how many home runs he hit?
0: Bonds? Bonds. No clue. Yeah. But he nobody a, has a, a clue. One million.
1: <laughs> and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that suck that yeah. that used to be the most glamorous record in, in pro sports? I well, just you don't even, even get to
0: look did. at it now. If a guy's got 50 at it- you know, right. in August, it's like, eh, well, right. he's not and hitting the, 72.
1: And, and the walks record and, and the post-age 35 marks and all that, Never, don't worry about them. They're never going to be touched again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: anyway, we're getting off the subject. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Um, getting back to yesterday, Hall of Fame. Big Poppy goes in, also a sore subject with some people who said he tested positive. Uh, he was not on the Mitchell report. People that say he was on the Mitchell report. He was not on the Mitchell report. He did that survey testing. He was one that came and there was both the commissioner and, uh, the players union guy at the time. Weiner said that was a very, uh, suspect, uh, testing in that late. Like, they know there were at least probably 12 false positives from that group. He was a, he tested positive. He, he, he insisted till the end that he never did it. He never touched anything. He was at. He was tested as much or more than anybody after that. Well, during that's wrong with the Red Sox.
0: That's what's so believable about him, though, is he raked for twelve years after testing clean.
1: Started. That's why. And and you look at his body. Yeah, yeah. he was bigger, but that's not a <laughs> steroid body. I mean, that was a.
0: That was I mean, a that cerveza was a, body. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so anyway, I I, I don't I don't really have a problem voting for him. He was the one guy that I voted for that's ever had any connection to all the steroids, though. Um, Uh, Sheffield kills me not to vote for Chef because I think Sheffield would have been a Hall of Famer too. But that was a pretty hard connection. And he didn't even, he didn't even, Chef never even debated or argued that he didn't do steroids. He said he didn't knowingly do them when he put that cream on that he was, but he was working out with Bonds. Yeah. (laughs) I just have a hard time with that, you know, that he didn't know what he was doing. But anyway, I love Sheffield, man. I love covering him. I, I thought he was an unbelievable player. Best bat speed on any player I've ever seen. And I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer if he doesn't have that connection. So it's a shame. But anyway, uh, but, uh, the only guy that gets in yesterday is Big Poppy. Uh, well-deserving. First ballot Hall of Famer. And um, and he joins quite a few that we're in with the era committee. So there's going to be a nice class going in next year. Uh, and then the era committee that votes in December. Wow. They've got a hell of a ballot to look at. And I think our guy, Fred McGriff, has a real good chance of being voted in December. So he could be in that class next year, too. Talk about a, a guy that's been deserving, that's getting overlooked. I know everybody points to Andrew, that I think is a hall of Famer. I vote for him every year. Murph, I think, got screwed. And I think he he should get, you know, and the ERA committee has passed him over a couple of times already. Fred McGriff, though, I think has a stronger, stronger case than any of those guys. Yeah. I just yeah. don't understand with Fred McGriff why he's not in.
0: But that's, that's my point, too, of, like, there's no suspicions on him. None. And he, you, he's, he played in that era. He's hitting off avoided of up exactly. pitchers. You know? I, I just, for me, it's it's got to be one or the other. Like, if, if you're going to get docked for being associated, there's got to be at least a small reward for we think he did it clean.
1: Right. For him and Murph. Yeah. Same way. And for great character. Great and character. And for never have being involved in a controversy. And for treating people. If you're going to put character in it at all, then, then those guys should get bonus points for character, or is it just that you can only have negative character? I don't know. Seems like it. But McGriff, I just I, the, everything is there. He played in big markets. I think. I think clearly the thing that hurts him is he did move around, and a lot of that time was in Tampa Bay and in Atlanta before they were, you know. But Atlanta was a marquee team in the nineties, and he was on a world Se- he, he was on a World Series team. So. <laughs> yeah. But there is no doubt. I've said this before, and there is no doubt in my mind. You will never convince me otherwise. That if Fred McGriff did what he did, and his primary career was in New York, he's already L.A. In. or Chicago, his yep. first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep, first sure. ballot.
0: I mean, seven. And he went seven ten short years. of five hundred homers.
1: And he would have had that if not for the 94-95 yeah. strike. He would have almost certainly had over five hundred homers if they had not missed those games.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think. I think he'll be a good one, and I think that the era committee. You know, the good thing about Bonds and Clemens and these guys not getting in, and if that's the way it's done, I think it's good to leave it up to to former players and see how they feel about it. You know, if if they can look at it, Hallelujah. If there's if there's ten of them on that ballot that are like, shit, I took a couple things one time, and you know what I mean. I, I think it's it's a good thing to almost bypass this system and and let guys that actually played and felt what it feels like or feel. You know, felt what it feels to feel terrible and be getting yeah. old, or have a bad year. And yeah, you know the other thing I think Bonds and Clemens probably messed up is not admitting to it. I, I think if I, they absolutely, if you just say like Pettit said, "I did it. I'm sorry. I'm done." And everybody moved on from him. He's looked at as a great character now. Like he, he's he not said, in the Hall of Fame, but yeah, he's looked at v- differently as a person. Yeah, and I, I think those guys, the best thing they could have done is said, "Here's when I started. I'm sorry." Like, that's the hard part for you with Rodgers. You don't know when he started. You say he went to Toronto and turned things around. If Bond said, you know what, I started in 99, I'm an asshole, I'm sorry. Everybody can look at his numbers, and I think a lot of guys would look at his numbers before 1999 and say, well, obviously he's a Hall of Famer. And you look at those guys got up to, like,
1: what, uh, just shy of 70%?
0: You go sway a few.
1: There And it went 10 years because they lopped off five years because they probably would have got in if they kept going for another five years. Yep. they been real close. But if you look at where they are and how much they increased, well, if you throw in what you said, if they had come out and said, and all of a sudden people feel bad for them, you know, you, you go, yeah, I feel bad. The guy's got, you know, the guy was the first ballot Hall of Famer and he's done this. You would have got a lot more sympathy vote. You would have got, and they would both be in, I think, for sure. Yeah, because there's those guys that are on the fence or they don't have a hard and set policy about voting on steroid guys. (coughs) A lot more of them would have voted for these guys if they would have just come out and said it. Yeah, they did it. Then they would have just looked at their greatness and said, all right, they screwed up, you know, and they're stained by it. And they got, you know, and they lost a lot of, you know, commercial opportunities or whatever. Maybe, you know, you know, uh, post-career. Coaching or managing opportunities, who knows? They lost. And Bonds money. basically
0: got blackballed for playing. He, he did. still, I mean, he, he still did. could have got it done, but yeah, I mean, for me, that's that's probably the big kicker is, is just not admitting to it and being honest about it. I think they could have swayed a lot of people just saying that you know, it's like for me, when I was playing, I got offered it wasn't uh steroids anymore when I was playing because I came in right after the testing and there were still H-G-H. guys that had ways to get around it, but I got offered HGH yeah. three to five, 10 times throughout my career. Mm-hmm. And Hey, it was tempting. I'm not going to act like I'm not this, you know, great guy. I, I thought about it because it right. was like, it's either go home. Why wouldn't you? It's tempting, but I looked at it and I was like, look, I got, if I got on it now,
1: fit's your career, man.
0: And, and, and anything, that's why I don't blame the guys that did it when it was get on roids or going home. But Roger right. and Barry weren't going home.
1: They they were, were the be- all, Barry they were was the best, best player best. in the game. You know,
0: that was an ego move. but Ego, totally. When I looked at it, it was like, you know, if, I knew I wasn't going to do it. I just wasn't going to. But it crosses your mind when you give up a five spot and some dipshit that shouldn't be able to hit you just took you deep. Like, I'm better than this. But I knew if I if I got popped for it, 2010, 2011, 2012 wouldn't count. Because people are going to assume you're a cheater right, your whole right. career. Yeah, you're staying forever. And I went home. It was like, I'm not good enough anymore. I'm going home. And I think those guys, whether it was fame or 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 stardom or or the numbers or wanting to chase records and all that stuff, you kind of you sell your soul in a sense, uh, and and you you kind of give up the Hall of Fame when you decide to inject a needle or rub that cream on. I mean, that's like I said, I'm back and forth all the time on this, but that's how I look at it now. Is that's kind of decision you made when you decide to get on the sauce? Is I want to be famous now. I want more money now. I want my numbers now. I don't want to go home. I want to keep putting all these. You know, butts in the yeah. seats and people talking about me and their egos drove them to do it where if they were really, really worried about the hall of fame, they could have packed it in and been in the hall of fame. And who knows if they care anyway, maybe they're glad they did it for an extra five years and got to have all that fun and, and make a all bunch of more care. money.
1: Oh, they care. But, bon, you know, bonds, man, again, I, I remember with Pittsburgh, like it's yesterday, how good he was when he was 60 pounds lighter and he could, he was 30, 30 guy, you know? Um, I, I always think about bonds. I remember that when he hit, when he hit the, 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 the home run that broke Hank's record, Hank, uh, you know, couldn't be there or whatever. I mean, Hank wasn't in great health at that point, but you know, plus you didn't know when it was going to happen. He's not going to be a traveling show where Hank goes around, you know, at that age goes around the country, yeah. you know, to every like some younger guys can do when a guy's about to break the record. Um, but Hank did this really gracious uh, video that played on that uh, huge yeah. board in San Francisco, and it was like it was eerie, almost. It was beautiful. It was like voice of God, though. You know, this Hank Aaron. It's like it's like if Babe Ruth had done one when Hank Aaron broke his record. Yeah. You know, yeah, he couldn't he couldn't do that, obviously. But if it but, but Hank on the video board, and I and I remember that all I can ever think about was when you're when you're Barry, and you probably met Hank a couple of times along the way when you're yeah. getting closer to his thing and and anybody that meets Hank knows and 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 also Barry from but from being his you know his Godfather being Willie Mays who was tight with Hank and his dad I'm sure was friends with Hank but Dusty was great friends with Hank. So Barry knows people that know. I'm sure told him about Hank Aaron, that he's as gr- salt of the earth, as good a guy, as great yeah. a guy as you'll ever meet. Civil rights guy, all this stuff. A great, great, great man. Everybody ever met him says, one of the best guys I've ever met in my life. It's an honor to meet him. And then you see him doing that video presentation up there, and you just beat his record. What does that feel like in your soul? I feel know, like a fraud. <laughs> to know that you beat his record because yeah. you, you made yourself this... 270 pound monster who's doing this at age 40, is hitting 70 home runs and slugging 800. Come on, man. I mean, even his biggest supporters, and I understand the passion behind it, but you got to say, that's got to feel bad when you're watching Hank Aaron up there. Knowing this guy did this, he weighed 180 pounds. He did this while getting death threats every day. Yeah. You know, every day. For years, he was getting all of, everywhere they went. I mean, it started his career. He couldn't even stay in the same hotels. Yeah, and you're beating his record. And it's just—I I, just—I never can stop thinking about that. You know, the guy's record, who he beat. And I it, it just it just this ain't right, man. But anyway, yep. name
0: um, of the podcast, right? <laughs>
1: that's right, man. Seven fifty-five is real, people eight, whatever it was, is not. And <laughs> we don't even know what it was. <laughs> it just says it all. We have no idea how many home runs he hit. Yeah. I have no clue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I no, have I mean, to think
1: about it to even know what the single season record is. That's the hardest. Was out, 61 was out there forever.
0: Yeah, they've like 78 or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, it's that'd be the hardest part for me is if I did do that. You know, you're going around town. and And, and that's why I say it's ego-driven because – if I was going around town and everybody's congratulate, people always want to talk to me about 2011. If I was yeah. on the sauce that year, I, mean, yeah. I, couldn't even, I couldn't even look you in the eye. I'd just be yeah. like, try to change the subject. But now when people bring it up, it's nice because I know I did it right. And I think that <laughs> taking credit for all that and wanting the credit for the numbers they put up on the sauce and, and not wanting to lose their legacy as far as the way they want to be viewed is, is why they can't admit it. But I think it'd be a game changer if they just said, here's when I started – my bad.
1: Yeah, if uh the Oventbrill would not have the same ring to it if one of those guys had been busted for steroids. Find out I mean, all
0: three of us were sauced in that year. It's like, oh yeah. no wonder they put up those numbers and just move on. You no, know, nobody wanna talk about it.
1: And you're 098, I wouldn't I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't. be asking you, how did you do that 098 ERA?
0: But uh, honestly, <laughs> I'd sit here and say, well, so, so-and-so handed me a vial and I felt good all year, you know. <laughs> I mean, it'd make a lot more sense, honestly.
1: It would. It would. Well, I found HGH, man. It was yeah. wonderful.
0: Felt great. Woke up on that day game. Couldn't wait to pitch.
1: <laughs> um, hey, so yesterday in the Hall of Fame, the real good news for Andrew, speaking of Andrew, we're going to try to yep. get him on a podcast here in a week or so. Uh, hopefully, Andrew, if you're out there, man, we want you on here. Andrew has made some really good progress in the last two years, really encouraged that people, and I think that's analytics, or people are really looking at what his defense was worth now. And they're finally hearing all these Hall of Fame pitchers. It helps when you get three Hall of Fame pitchers in, and whenever they get an opportunity, and Chipper Jones too, whenever they get an opportunity, they say, hopefully Andrew Jones will join us here too because he belongs here. That helps, and that's clearly helped. But also the analytics age, his value is starting to come out. Um, he, he, his, his, he's he gone up now to 41% of the votes in his fifth year. And if you look at the, the the track record of guys who've moved from like the teens to 40% in a matter of three years, it's really good, that trajectory. He's got five more years now. If he had 15 years, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to make it. But I think right. there's a really good chance he's going to make it. Uh, probably in another three years maybe, um, and maybe sooner. Uh, if you look at Larry Walker, his was kind of an extreme uptick, but Larry Walker didn't even have 35% until his eighth year, and yeah. he got voted in on his 10th year. So I think Andrew's got a real good shot. I think Billy Wagner's got a good shot too, not as good, but he went from 46% to 51 this year. The problem is it's his seventh year, so he's only got three left. But Wags is another guy that I think people are understanding. You know, uh, there was so much uh, reluctance to vote in closers for a long time. But now you've got a couple in there. And now they're comparing him to the guys that are in there. Well, you know, tell me can, a
0: team that's won a World Series with a shitty bullpen. Right. You know, I mean, you can't argue the importance of it. And I, I get that it's easier to – to. it's not maybe not easier if you ask me because the ninth inning's tough. But the starters are supposed to be a more important role in everything. But – did you you impact games heavily? You know the way the way the the opposing team's lineup looks at the game when they know it's a shorter game. We only got Absolutely. seven to score when they got nasty setup man and closer. You know that, that's a major impact. But it, Billy Wagner at thirty eight, I think he was that last season, two thousand ten. He yeah. could have kept going. He's the best lefty I've ever seen. And and that's the thing with Andrew is when you talk to any former player, even Willie yeah. May said it. When you talk to any former player and you want to talk about center field. He set the standard. Like everybody was measured against him. And you talk to anybody that watched Andrew play, and they say he was the best defensive center fielder I've ever seen. And he hit four hundred something homers. It's not like he was a slap hitter. Four hundred thirty-four homers. Four hundred thirty-four. Led the
1: league and led the league in homers and ribbies one year. Um, the thing is, if Andrew had not started out, uh, if he was start, if he hit the Hall of Fame ballot now, now. first year, yeah. totally different story. The fact that he started out there was nothing if you look at five years ago people have come a long way in, in in recognizing the analytics and hearing what other pitchers have said about him and all that um but if he'd started out now i think he would start out with about 30 40 percent maybe and yeah. probably already be up to 80 if not in by now yeah but um but after five years but uh um Andrew, the the thing is, the thing that kept him out early on, people looked at batting average. Well, nobody looks at that anymore. Right. And and sure, he's got he's going to have one of the lowest batting averages of anybody in the Hall of Fame if he gets in, but nobody cares that about that much anymore. Um, compared to slugging, OPS, weighted op- weighted runs created, all that OPS plus. And in all those, he's much better batting batting averages. One thing, come on, you cannot look at, when you look at some of the guys, because you look at some of the batting averages on players today, Yeah, there's going to have to be some players in the Hall of Fame with 260 batting averages before you know it, because they, they stress on-base percentage now and slugging, not yep. batting average. So you maybe say Andrew was ahead of his time, even though that's not why he was doing it. But, you know, um, when you hit 434 home runs and you win 10 consecutive gold gloves. 10 straight. And, and Ozzie, and I keep going back to Ozzie Smith. You're looking at a premium defensive position. If you're the best at what you did defensively, you're the best player in the, best of the ever. game. Yeah. Either the best ever or at least the During best your of era. your era. Yeah. And I think Dan- Andrew probably was the best ever. Willie Mays says he was. Yeah. But if he's not, he's certainly one of the best two or three ever. And I think he probably is the best ever because, you know, how far defense has come, you know, with positioning and all that. But, um, and conditioning and speed and all that. But, um, if you're the best at what you do and you're the best defensive player ever at your position for a decade, you're in the Hall of Fame, man. Then you add 400. If he hit 200 home runs, I think he's a Hall of Famer.
0: Damn. <laughs> yeah. If, I mean, he, it, if he
1: hit 200 and he wins 10 straight gold gloves, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Look what Ozzie Smith did. He's yeah. 10 times the the offensive player that Ozzie Smith was. Ozzie Smith didn't have any trouble getting in the Hall of Fame. Right. He made it in fast. So I just think 400 home runs and 10 gold gloves. It's a, it's a slam dunk to me. Well, and the and goal like, too is
0: you want to you want to represent like you want these things to be remembered. So in 20 years, people are talking about the best defender and center fielder. This, it, you right. want if you're the best people have ever seen anything in baseball. For me, right. I think that should be remembered, and and that that should hold a lot of weight. Is that you were the best at. First base, center field, whatever it is. Maybe not first base, but but center field. If premium positions, premium defensive positions. That like that's Pudge was the best catcher. Anybody best on all that stuff. When you're talking about center field, and you ask anybody that played in the '90s who's the best center fielder you've ever seen, nobody has to think about it. It's Andrew Jones, and there's no hesitation. And when when players are talking about you like that, still 20 years later, yeah. Players, guys that right. watched it and appreciated it. I mean, you, you gotta—that guy's got to be remembered.
1: And, and and the and the other thing that hurts him is the fact that he fell off yeah. so sharply at age thirty. But people have to keep in mind that he debuted at eighteen. His yep. first full—he he was nineteen and in the starting lineup. So. What about if he debuted at 21, 22, like the average guy does? If he'd done that same decade that he had from age 23 to age 32, I don't think there'd be nearly as much criticism about it. People got to look at that, man. When he got debuts, it's totally
0: different. And he fell off because he was crashing into walls and being the best center fielder ever. He was
1: beat to hell. His shoulders from all those diving catches and crashing into walls. Yep. But, you know, I look at it, Andrelton Simmons, we agree. He was the best defensive shortstop in the game for that period. You know, he's still great, but he's had a lot of injuries. But it's like Andrew did. If you took Andrelton's like five-year period that he had there, or three, four years where he was clearly the best shortstop in the game, clearly, yeah. and stretched it out for a decade, Yeah, Andrelton Simmons, for a decade, mm-hmm. you know? And, he, you know, obviously his home runs and his home offense wouldn't be nearly what Andrew's was, the RBIs and all that. But if you – he'd done what he did for a decade without injuries because Andrew was playing every day. That's the other yeah. thing. He was playing 158 to 162. This guy wasn't playing 135 like a lot of guys are today. Right.
0: Right. He and Chipper
1: played every day for in the primes of their careers.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, But what's played guys every day. What's Chipper's career look like if Chipper was having to run around center field? He played premium third base too. But you know, that's Chipper's body was beat up when he was getting toward the end, but he was playing a position that wasn't taxing his body the same way. And he'd be the first to tell you. You know, look at what Andrew was doing. Why he was so beat up is because right. he's running however many miles a night, chasing balls down. Like that beats your body up. You know, you and can't knock a guy for that.
1: And he wasn't a skinny center fielder running out no, there. It looks like a sprinter. That's he's why a he had the power. Dude. And when he was younger, he wasn't he wasn't big like he was later. But he was still a thick guy. I mean, he yeah. was never a one of these rail thin guys that can run all day out there. Right. You know. It's a big upper, but he was a strong guy. So that's a lot of weight to be running gap to gap, and he could fly. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, just uh, look at
0: the value of defensive positioning. How that's changed the game. It, what are it, Andrew's a, numbers if he was if he was positioned, you know, perfectly? Oh with, god!
1: Oh my god! Because he did it on that first step he took. A lot of times so he was taking literally for starting his first step before the ball yeah, left the bat. Yeah. Because he trusted his Hall of Fame pitchers so much, but the instincts too. I mean, he just knew it.
0: He's another guy, though, I think if he doesn't wind up getting in, I bet the error committee puts him in right away. First, no, Cause, no cause doubt. appreciate it. Yeah. No
1: doubt, because he'll probably have a pitcher or a manager on that committee. Like, hey. <laughs> know, arguing his case like Larusa did for Harold Baines. Yeah. Harold Baines. Yep. <laughs> Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame and Fred McGriff and Dale Murphy aren't. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> yeah. um, again, he's another one. Andrew Jones, i say, about like Fred McGriff. Can you just imagine if Andrew Jones had did what he did for the Yankees? Won 10 straight gold gloves playing center field for the Yankees? No. Is he first ballot? Yes. He's definitely in the Hall of Fame, but I think he's probably first ballot. And also, in that park, he's probably got 500. Yeah. I mean, he did it. He hit 434 at Fulton County and Turner Field. So many balls died in the gaps that he
0: hit. Right center, left center is deep there. You go to Yankee Stadium – he could slap balls out to right field.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Gary Sheffield, another ex-Brave, stayed at exactly 40.6%. That was pretty wild. Uh, his, his eighth year, he's going to fall off the ballot. He's not going to make it. He's got 10 years. So uh takes 75, 75% to get in. Tim Hudson, he slipped to 3% his second year, so he's off the ballot. Huddy, great pitcher, man. Not a yeah. Hall of Famer. But I think he'll get consideration by the committee too someday. I mean, he's a great pitcher, great great pitcher.
0: Well, that three hundred win, <laughs> nobody's getting in. No, nah, two hundred will be the three hundred. Maybe yeah. if there is a standard. Yeah, yeah.
1: nobody's getting. Yeah, two hundred. I think is almost in five years. Two hundred is going to be the three hundred. You know, it will. If yeah, it's not it, already. You look at guys who went two hundred twenty today, and that's a lot. That's a hell of a career. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean. When guys are on the pitch in 160 innings, it's going to be totally different. The standards are going to be totally different down the line. I also think you're going to have some some setup long relievers. Eventually, there's going to be one to make it in, like the guy in Milwaukee. There's going to be guys Hader, that make it in. Tater yeah. does
0: this for 10 more years. There's I mean, going that's...
1: to probably be a, a middle with closer, a, a guy that maybe was a closer part time and setup guy like. Gonna, we're just looking at things totally different now. So yeah. the role that, that's gonna that's gonna be different. You um, gotta
0: have to, but I think that's that's a good point. You know, that could really benefit Andrew.
1: So yeah, that ballot, uh, the December, man, you talk about a glut. We had the glut on the regular ballot, all the steroid guys, which is also gonna help Andrew next year, by the way. When you got the steroid guys are off now, when you take off bonds, Clemens, Sosa, and also Schilling, jerk off guy, you take them off the ballot. All of a sudden next year when guys are voting for up to 10 guys, I ain't gonna be surprised if Andrew's thing shoots up 20% next year, man. Yeah. And Wags too is gonna shoot up a lot. But Andrew's really gonna shoot up next year because it's really clearing the ballot out a lot. The four guys go off that were 10 year after 10 years, they're gone. Yeah. Um, but they move over now to the potential to be on the uh era committee ballot in December. That thing's a glutton is 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 full now. Um I'm on that committee that formulates the ballot. I don't vote on the error committee to make make people clear that people think I didn't vote for Bonds. Oh, God, this asshole is not going to vote for Bonds now on the air committee. No, I'm not on the air committee. <laughs> but I am on the historical overview committee that formulates the ballot that the error, where it's 11 of us that formulate the ballot. And I will just say here right now, I will be for Bonds and Clemens being on that ballot. It's best case scenario. Yeah, I think they should be on the ballot. Now, you give it to those guys, whether it's this December. I don't know if they'll make it on this December because there might be some people on the historical committee that say, let's just give this thing time to breathe a little bit and go because there's a lot of other guys that are worthy that are, that are, that might, because there's only 10 spots on it. So they might wait one cycle, but that thing meets twice every five years. So uh, they're going to get their shot, whether it's now or another time in a couple of years. But uh, I will, I'll just say this publicly I think they should be on it and then let that panel of 16 former players, former managers, you know, like you said, there's going to be some guys on there, maybe a manager or GM or somebody that if they didn't play on greenies, then they know somebody that did, or they managed a team that had a bunch of players that did, or that managed a team that, you know, in the steroid era, even at the end of it. So there's going to be guys, it's a different voting body entirely. So you can, won't be able to blame the writers anymore after that one. You can blame us for not voting for 10 years if you want, but you know, and the other thing is, there's two thirds of the writers did vote for him, so I was yeah. in a minority that didn't. So yeah. don't blame the writers in, as as a voting body uh, yeah. for that. For that, if you see that as a slight, and but anyway, uh, that committee you look at you look at the the era committee, what they're going to have, the guys that can be on that ballot because it can only be ten. And the other problem is, you can only vote for four guys. It's not ten guys. You're going to vote for four. Mm. They have to get 12 votes. So if you're one of those 16 people voting. It's harder to get twelve votes when you can yeah. vote for four. De- you know what I mean?
0: Well, that could so get hairy too because a lot of a lot of players, even in the game now, you know, look at steroids in a, in different lights. Yeah. You know, like totally. I, I've I've talked to guys that are like I, they won't even associate with a steroid guy because they adamantly believe that you should never do that. It's cheating. You're out with them in any form. I wouldn't eat dinner with you. But there's other guys yeah. that are like you know I'm I'm kind of in that boat in the boat of I don't know what I would have done in the 90s if it was go home or get on the sauce. And my only point with those guys is they weren't going home. The guys on that committee, if they know
1: older Hall of Famers that were on those it. guys, most of them are hardliners. And Yeah, said- the old guys are. A lot of them have threatened and said, "I will not come here to the Cooperstown because most of them go every year as long as they're yeah. healthy enough to do it." Most, some of them have said, "I will not come here if Barry Bonds is elected to the Hall of Fame or Roger Clemens." They said that before. Yeah. Joe Morgan came out and said, "You know, publicly, there's no place in the Hall of Fame for those for steroid guys." And Hank said, "If they cheated, they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame." So it's going to get it's not it's not a slam dunk by any right. means. So it depends on the committee. It depends on who you got to argue in your case. Harold Baines had Tony La arguing his case and Reinsdorf were on that committee. Yeah. So Murph and McGriff, especially need somebody and McGriff could benefit from having a former brave or two on there that played with him. Yeah. Arguing his case. I think Fred gets in, but the, you got to, it's a lot more political. You got to, yeah. it's kind of like the NFL hall of fame where you got guys to stand up and argue your case and then they vote. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. But that's why you get a Baines in there that just comes out of the blue, and everybody's like, "What did I miss something?" They go back and look at Errol Baines' stats and go, "No, I didn't miss anything. He's not. He wasn't the, you know." Yeah. <laughs> they look at his stats and wonder why the hell he made it. But uh, uh, if you uh, just some of the names that are going to be up, that are up for consideration for the historical uh, overview committee to consider for the era game, from the today's game era, um, you got a couple of managers that are sp- probably slam dunks. Bochi, Pinella, those guys got to be on the ballot. Yep. Jim Leland, strong yep. consideration. I, I Jim Leland's on there for me, man. Great yep. manager. And then you got, um, let's see, the players. When you look at the potential players, besides Fred McGriff, Bonds, Clemens, you know, Sosa, uh, Schilling. If they look at them, Lance Bergman, Carlos Delgado. Jim Edmonds, Kenny Lofton, Johan Santana, Johan Santana. Yeah. Uh, then some others, Albert Bell, Will Clark, Earl Hershiser, Some other managers, Davey Johnson, Charlie Manuel. Then you got George Steinbrenner. So there is a, that is a lot of guys. Yeah. And you can only vote for four. So I don't envy those guys on I, that committee.
0: But is they, there they, a time limit was, on that? Like how many years can you, can you pass through that process? There's not a time limit. They, so they just a lot keep of bringing never, people up. Yeah. Okay. Right, so the
1: the thing those guys got going for them though is their votes aren't made public, so we don't know, you know, who voted for Harold Baines or who did not vote for you know Fred yeah. Griff or I think Fred missed it by a vote. Oh man! Anyway, uh, Fred, Fred, I think he's got a great chance.
0: That'd be good. It'd for be a him. shame
1: if he doesn't get it. But should uh, be one. Hey, uh, real quick, if we're following those that are following this, I don't know how many people are getting into the nuts and bolts of this uh, negotiations. But they did meet the last two days and this week they're finally meeting consecutive days and they are meeting again today, I think, and uh, but the, the Monday Tuesday the players met. I heard it was heated Monday, man. there was some yelling, which there should be at these things, you know, to get something done. Um, but this you you alluded to the big gap that there is between uh, where the, the positions these guys are taking on the most uh, topical or heated uh, the heated uh, subjects. That the players really want changed, and that the owners are not giving as much as the players want, and then some things the owners want, the players are like, no way. So they're still they got to come together because there's still a big gap in the in the main areas. But there's already been some concessions made, which is that's that's uh, promising. Um, a big one was the uh, bonus pool for arbitra- pre-arbitration players because those are the guys that get screwed now. The you know second year guys that aren't in arbitration yeah. yet, teams can give them minimum salary if they want to and yeah. a lot of teams do give minimum or close to it as you know. Um players wanted a big pool of money for uh for those guys to get bonuses from that you know guys that have great years and are and are still in arbitration they should get better paid and they should. Yeah. Uh players asked for a proposed proposed uh 105 million MLB proposed 10 million <laughs> So gives you some idea how much space there is to come gives together. An idea why
0: we're still here after, you know, 45 right. days or whatever, a lockout.
1: But the mere fact that both sides did agree that there should be a, something there tells you maybe there's hope. So maybe they can be yeah. closer to the middle. Yeah. Uh, but it just tells you they're at the stage of the haggling right now where both sides are like. Presenting way more or way less than they what they know is going to take to get it done. Yeah,
0: I mean that's how arbitration that, is too. When you when right. you first are talking to the team in December and that deadline's coming up, you know right up until the day before, the hour, the minute before the deadline where they have to agree to terms, they're still offering you two three hundred grand light, and they're comparing yeah. you to some reliever you know you're better than just to see if you'll take it. So it's like you know if you think you're worth a million, they're like, now yeah, what about five sixty? yeah <laughs> you know five minutes yeah. before the deadline so I mean it it is it's standard negotiation tactics going on but it's it's almost worse that, that we keep getting updates yeah
1: um then there was a minimum salary players obviously want that to, to increase so that's not increased a whole lot lately like it not um, even
0: increased with inflation
1: no not at all uh MLB proposed playing uh paying zero to one players minimum uh service time 600 grand. One to two years, 650, and two to three, 700. Um, They adjusted that to 615 on Tuesday. But again, you're talking about little small increments, and players obviously want a lot more than that. Yeah. So we'll see what we get. But uh, the competitive balance threshold, that's another one where they're really still far apart. Um, Owners want that to go up. Uh, players want the threshold to go up. Owners don't want to raise it up at all. Players want it are are very small. Players want it to go up a lot on how much teams can spend before they have to pay the competitive balance tax. Um, so there's a lot, those are the things though, the people go, what's the biggest thing? Why can't they just get this? So those are the big things that, uh, that they're looking at. And the bottom line is a lot of money for the owners. You know, they, they don't want to give up hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and the big market teams don't want to, uh, are the small market teams don't want the big market teams to be able to spend $260 million before they even have a tax. Cause they, you yeah. know, for most of the teams, that's like, that just gives them more of an advantage, man. We can't yeah. have that. you know. So.
0: Well, they also just, you know, the less they can, that, that TV money, all those TV deals right. came in the game, changed everything. Cause now you can run a team, and just throw a horseshit team out there and make a great profit, you know, and for, if you're just a business guy and you're not worried about the integrity of the game or the product you're putting out there, it's a no brainer to just spend as little as you can and just take these checks from the big teams. You know I mean? And I think that's the big hangup for, for the players. And, And I've heard a lot of guys say it publicly is they, they want teams trying, they, they want teams trying to win. They don't want a team like the pirates to be able to just, Spend 40 million or whatever they do and and make a ton of profit off it.
1: Yeah. And revenue sharing, that's the other that's the other thing. The players want that reduced because they don't want that yeah. scenario that you just laid out. Owners love their revenue sharing, man. They uh they rejected the union's push for $30 million cut in revenue sharing. They want that unchanged. <laughs> the players initially had sought a hundred million dollar cut in revenue sharing, <laughs> but they dropped that to thirty and the owners are still not giving. So um uh, uh let's see what another thing was they asked for uh 50% tax on the overages. Uh that was as Bob Nightingale wrote that their most recent offer on the matter would have been included a 50% tax on CBT overages. Forfeiture of a third round draft pick for surpassing that threshold. Players the league associated. wanted that. Yeah. Yeah. Players don't want anything like that, man.
0: No, <laughs> it's, it's that that the the thing is though is that you know that's where the the, the union messed up is giving them yeah a luxury tax in the first place yeah. and having yeah. any thought that it wouldn't be used as a salary cap you know, there was no chance that that wasn't going to happen. And now, now they're trying to get that ground back and yeah. you're never going to get it back. Now you got to yep. bargain, you know, of what percent it is, but teams are still going to use that threshold as long as they can use that, that threshold to convince yep. their fans, they don't need to spend more money. Right. They're golden.
1: And players uh, are people out there that are used to the NFL and the, and the uh, salary cap and how it's worked so well for the NFL just forget it because it ain't ever happening in baseball they no. are the union after taking the hits and they, they think they've took the perceived hits and the, what Eric just said about even agreeing to that there's no way they're agreeing yeah. to a to a salary cap so just forget it don't even bring it up it ain't happening um the union pushed for that for the collected the threshold to go from 210 million to 245 million next season MLB countered with 214 so a four million dollar increase it's like, come on man and it maxed it. out at 220 million at the end of the five-year term that's like <laughs> See, nothing
0: i mean and this is these are the offers i was talking about when the lockout first hit was like you know they yeah. had their meeting and you know you offer a hundred bucks and they're like what about dollar fifty you know how, okay i guess yeah i guess we're not getting anything yeah. done but that, that's how this whole thing's played out and i I know it's ugly and when you're on the outside of it, you know, it can be frustrating as a fan, but you know, both ha- both sides have to want to play ball.
1: Yeah. Uh that's like you were talking about arbitration. And initially there's such a huge gulf between the sides, but then a lot of times when they actually uh swap figures, they're like it's a really small, small amount. And <laughs> yeah. people are like, "Why didn't they just settle in the middle?" People don't understand though. Right. They've already done negotiating. All right, and they couldn't and they weren't nearly that close. And both the team increases its offer, the player lowers his because they know they got a better shot of winning. They're not going to win with what they were asking. Yeah. But the the negotiation has already ended. And people don't realize before they agree to that, before they swap those figures. They they don't know what those
0: numbers are going to be. They're trying to submit a figure that the arbitrator could accept, you know. So they might be a million dollars apart and they're like, shit, that guy's probably worth one six right let's go in at one four five and and see if we can win and and save 150 and the player's like i'm not worth two mil i'm probably worth one seven let's go in at one six then they submit one six and one four five and you're like they're bitching over 150 grand right here you know i mean that's how it works and that's how this is playing out too
1: and inevitably though every year when the salary figures are swapped and it's public it comes out you have people on social media are like, why didn't they just settle in the middle? It's like, that's not how it works. I mean, they, they would have, if they'd known they, that they both know sides were willing. They not know what the middle willing, was. Yeah. You know, if the owner, if the, if the owner had, had knew that the player was willing to take that, they would have just yeah. given it to him rather than go to arbitration. Cause it costs both sides money to go to arbitration. They don't want to do yeah. that.
0: Yep. And that's just Spain basic. That's just all negotiations and business. You know, that's, that's why I don't get too worked up about it. Right.
1: Um, uh, we talked about the Freddie situation. The only other one that I, that I wanted to get to, I know we're dragging on here. Oh, uh, just a couple of the other things um, on, on free agency. Jim Bowden went through and did the remaining free agents and ranked them top 70. <laughs> but uh, there's a couple other names that popped out on there. Obviously, I think Olsen's a, the best fit for the Braves if they, if they don't bring Freddie back. But he's going to cost you prospects. Braves, we know how... Uh, Alex hasn't given up one top prospect. He's probably have to give up a couple to get Olsen. Yeah, and the Braves they're not they're not prospect laden like they were. Uh, they have three in the top one hundred. Where now Baseball America, where they've had six, seven, and yeah. you know, in the copy years, well, a lot of those top guys are now on the team. Yeah, and when you're good, you you don't get those draft picks. You don't have the and and they weren't in international free agency for a couple of years. So yeah. as a result, it's fine. We're seeing that now. They've three. In the top one hundred, which isn't bad. There's eighteen teams with three or fewer on there. But it's just not like they weren't like they were before when they were consistently one of the top five guys right. on there, teams on there. Um yeah, they got but, a world
0: series because they did it, you know, that's exactly. how
1: exactly. Right. Um, so it's only the Dodgers are the only team that have been able to maintain being a really good and this farm system. But um and the Braves have got some others just outside the one hundred that'll soon be in there. But um they're not gonna give up those top prospects. You know, they're not going to give up. Uh, I could see them trading a Contreras. He's not, eight. Well, I got a cat. Cat's, cat's about to jump on top of my albums. I could see them trading, say, Contreras. He's no longer a prospect in the top 100. But they're not going to trade Shay langoliers who's right. their prospect catcher in the top 100. He's the number yeah. two prospect behind Harris. They are certainly not trading Harris. He's as untouchable, close to untouchable. I think Harris is probably since Acuna. I think he's that untouchable. Langoliers isn't far off though. You're talking about a guy that's probably going to win multiple gold gloves that it will shut down a, a team's running game. And that last year hit for big power at the most, uh, 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 least favorable ballpark in the minors in double a for power for, for, offense in Mississippi. Damn. He, Shea Langoliers is the real deal, dude. Well, that's why a guy's not on top 40 or is not on the 40 man roster was kept the, throughout the whole postseason, he was supposed to go to Arizona Fall League, and instead they kept him with the team on the taxi squad through the entire In case World they Series. Needed him. If they needed yeah. him, if they had an injury, Shea Langoliers was going on the 40 and going on the roster. That's, That's how cool. good he is. And he hadn't played above double yeah. A. So, so he's
0: probably not but, getting traded.
1: He ain't getting traded, man. I could see them trading Drew Waters. I could see them trading Pache. I could see them trading Contreras. But I don't see them trading uh, uh, Harris, Langoliers, and I don't think they're going to trade Mueller. I think we saw enough of Mueller last year that he's pretty overpowering. I yeah. know he still got some things to work on, but you love that guy, right? His makeup and everything.
0: I he's, believe in him. Yeah, six he's seven, a throws a
1: hundred miles an hour,
0: lefty. Yeah, he's learning still. You know, it's hard to yeah. trade him while they're. You got to give young. him a chance to figure the league out.
1: Still young, man. Yeah, people can. Yeah, he's still a couple of years younger than Freed was before real, Freed really blossomed. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, but just getting back to why they wouldn't the Olsen trade, you know, it's not a slam dunk. I mean, if you're the Braves, you're going to have to part with some good prospects to get him. If they go the free agent route, there's a couple other guys on there. Now they're not Olsen. They're certainly not Freddie, but there aren't, you know, Chris Bryant. If you get him, obviously you're going to have to play him or Austin Riley He's probably got a guy that's going to go to first base. I think Austin, they really probably don't want to do that because Austin really came into his own defensively last year. I don't want to touch him. I don't either, man. I don't want to touch him. I think that'd be a big mistake after the year he had, and I think the Braves probably view it that way too. Chris Bryant, yeah, he's he's a third-baseman outfielder. If you sign him, it's he's probably not going to agree to play first base, but you'd have to have that agreement with him, obviously, before you did it. The one that I think is intriguing is Rizzo. Now, again, he ain't nearly what they are, but he's still a good hitter. He's yep. still a great clubhouse guy. He's yep. still capable of having a big year, and you probably could get him on one of those one-year deals that Alex loves. Yeah, for a guy that wants to reestablish his value, maybe that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing you're losing with Freddie. You know, I mean, I know his numbers are great, but he's the heart and soul of the team. You're losing a ton with Freddie. Yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, you, it's
1: we can't reiterate. If he was how. an
0: asshole, you couldn't afford to lose him. But he's the heart and soul of that team. You know, I mean, it, having a having your MVP for me having that guy go out and play every single day yeah I mean you've heard the importance of guys like Ozzy and Dansby saying that they learn from Freddie everything he is to the team I mean you're losing the heart and soul of your team after winning a World Series
1: yeah I mean you could trade for Matt Olson and hope and 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 have a decent Maybe shot of him guy. coming in and doing what Freddie doing what Freddie does offensively not skipping a beat there yep hell he might have a better year than Freddie offensively you know, looking at what he did last year and his age. But you are no doubt losing a huge piece of what was the, probably the best chemistry in baseball, best chemistry the Braves have had. And they've had good chemistry in recent years, but this was another level of yeah, chemistry. Yeah, look what they overcame.
0: You, and know, I mean, nobody you can't was tell me Freddie important. wasn't a reason for that.
1: Nobody was more important to that than Freddie. Yeah. The guys you brought in were all terrific. Freddie establishes that whole thing, that vibe there, man. You take him out, that's a huge gulf there. That Somebody's got to step into that breach. And yeah. fill that, you know, and that's tough because he's revered. And when you've so, been
0: somewhere for, you know, if, you, if you're if you Freddie and you go to a new team and start trying to change things and tell people, it's, it's one thing when you have these numbers, but when he's been there for however many years, he's treated yeah. and respected in a certain yeah. way where if Freddie says it, that's just how we do things here. And he sets the tone for that whole team that he just led a team to the World Series. You know, I mean, you can't, for me, you can't afford to lose that. More than you can't afford to lose his numbers. Maybe you can get numbers close to it, but anything can happen in a clubhouse, man. I know we talk about it all the time, but leadership is is so huge. And this team overcame so much. They shouldn't. I mean, the, most people thought they had no shot winning the World Series, and they did it because of the team and the unit they were. And he's he's every bit of. I mean, he's the biggest part
1: of that. You've you've seen this. There's always a guy on a team on a good team, at least. There's always a veteran player that the manager leans on, that the manager pulls aside yeah. and says, gets a vibe at a clubhouse. There's yeah. a player that can walk into the manager's office anytime and tell him exactly what he did wrong. You can't do that, Skip. Freddie is that guy. Yeah. Freddie is that guy, you know, on this yep. team. You know, Chipper, they had some guys back in the day. They had several guys that could do that. Freddie is that guy on this team that can go in and tell Snit, Mm-mm, no, just yeah. so you know. Yeah. So, and, and Snit, Snit says it all the time. I lean on this guy. This yep. guy, I talk to him all the time. I talk to him every day about the vibe and what the, what's going on and everything. So
0: We had this uh, meeting. I can't remember what year it was, maybe 11 or 12. We were playing a night game in Miami, and we had some banquet the next day. And it was just something, you know, they wanted us there at like 10 a.m. We are going to get in at 3 a.m. And all the guys were fucking pissed. We're, we're in this meeting. We're all talking about it, what we're going to do. And guys were talking about, we're not going. You know, Chipper walks in, looks around the room and goes, we're going. And you got 24 other dudes in there heated. Chipper walked in and said, we're going. And we're like, well, that's that. And everybody just walked out. That was the end. Because that's how much everybody looked up to and respected Chipper and how much he set the tone. And that was the end of it. You know, I I think there's so much value having a leader like that that can just, you know, when there's any kind of the team's divided over something or there's any drama in the clubhouse. Yeah. Chipper could just walk in the room and say, this is the answer. And we'd be like, well, that's that. And it, nobody's mad. Nobody's pissed off about it. It's over. Chipper said, that's how we do it. And you respect him so much that you know he's making that right decision for the unit. And that—that's that's who thats who Freddie's been for this team for seven years now.
1: And you had Markekis with, Fred, with Freddie yep. for several years there. Markekis was big time in that role, too. But once Markekis leaves... It becomes even more important Freddie's role in that because there was nobody that stepped up and be Marcakis. Right. You know, you had Tyler Flowers who was a good leader before, you know, Ter- Teron among the pitchers, Julio. But those guys were gone. And Freddie's, Freddie's role was never bigger than it was the last the last year. And add on top of that, add all the COVID protocols. And how important it was to have a veteran setting the tone and telling guys, "We got to do this, up. guys." Yep. Look at all the teams that lost games last year that lost players for games. The Braves didn't do that. They were one of the few teams that didn't lose very just a couple of incidents. You all know, Solaire during the uh, during the uh, uh, LCS for most yep. of it, but really there was only like one or two other times during Newcomb during the year where you lost anybody, nobody for a long stretch at all. So that's – you know, I'm probably going to have more COVID stuff this year in protocol, so it's important to have a guy setting the tone and talking yeah. about all that stuff. And, and nobody can have
0: forward. the thump of a dude that's been there and been doing it for yeah. 10 years.
1: Uh, just the last thing, uh, you were talking about uh, this team and how they shouldn't have won it. It, brought, it, it reminded me – I was talking to Marquise Grissom yesterday for a story I'm doing on uh, on Michael Harris. Marquise Grissom is like his mentor and his coach and coaches him in summer ball and uh, and now again during conditioning and the offseason. Um Marquise lives here in Atlanta. Marquise said it was like you and uh, Kelly were talking about how big it was when the Braves win for alumni for them to win a World Series. Marquise said, and he played for a lot of teams in Montreal a long time. He said he was just thrilled when the Braves won. He said, "Yeah, yeah he goes. We were supposed to win in '95. We didn't expect them to win this year. Maybe next year. Talk about yeah. you know, 2022. 20, so this could have been this could have been the year and this." Could have been the year, and it was. But we were we were expected to win back in 95. But that's what makes this one so special, man. They won without one of the best players. And a couple of pitchers went down. And Freddie stepped up. Everybody stepped up. And it was unbelievable to watch. This is Marquise Christman yeah. Chris, talking about this. I asked him about, about Freddie. The importance of bringing Freddie back. And, you know, some guys would be like, off the record? You know, he didn't say that. He said, come on, man. It's just crazy not to sign Freddie back. Would be insane not to sign him back, man. Freddie's got to be a brave forever. Yeah, that was Grissom. Yeah. So that Scott played on championship teams, bounced around a little bit at the end. He knows.
0: He knows the importance. So I think he will be. I think it's just gotten a little hairy, but you never know, man. <laughs> we'll find out soon.
1: Well, if we don't, I don't think it'll be. Uh, I think uh, it's not going to be Alex and fault. He understands how important he is. If Alex yeah. had the, if Alex knew that he would have the payroll to support Freddie's salary going forward, he would have done it already. So yeah. I just think Alex is cautious, knows the importance of depth and all that, and knows if they're not going to increase the payroll significantly, it's going to be hard to carry a thirty million dollars yeah. salary. But
0: and if you, if you know if you know if you're in the GM position, the guy says. You're gonna get the last word. You know, if we're not gonna right. sign somewhere out without offering right. you, then it's like, well, go ahead and go out there and drive the price up as much as you want, but right. we're not just gonna offer 170 right, right now. If we're at 135, you come back with 160, we probably beat it. But it, you know, that's goes back to negotiations and all that too. It's just it's a shame that it's gotten to this point and it's had to be this way. You know, that's that's yeah. the ugly business side of baseball that sucks.
1: And they got a lot of big other big salaries coming up too. I know people look at the incredible team-friendly contracts they've got with the Cunha and Ozzy. <laughs> that a reason to sign
0: him alone. Oh,
1: exactly. <laughs> Nevertheless, they got free. some. They got some other guys that if you want to keep them long-term, you're going to have to pay, and they're going to give some extensions to some guys soon. Guys like Austin Riley, guys like Max Freed needs it. Dansby Swanson. If it's not, is he your shortstop? If he's not, yeah. you to have to go get one on yep. the market. So. Uh, there's some guys that are going to make some money, and you're adding Ozuna's contract back to it too, unless you can find a way to offload that thing. So you can't forget that you're adding that contract back. Uh, you're paying your catchers handsomely, two catchers. You got you know 20 million next year going to uh, Big Charlie. Um, Ian Anderson's going to need an extension before long. So there's there's some you're going to need that money you're saving from Acuna and Ozzy if you're going to keep your yeah. payroll like under 200 million, which I'm assuming the Braves are going to do. They should be. Up there in that area right now, I think. But until they do it, <laughs> no reason to believe it's gonna happen. So anyway, a lot going on. Good to good to be back. Good to have stuff to talk about. I think we're gonna have baseball. I don't know if we're gonna start spring training on time, but Eric and I were talking about this before we went on the air. They don't you guys don't get worried if they if they if if if, it, if they have to push back spring training a couple of weeks because that's not gonna it's mean it's too long anyway. Right. Pitchers can get going. They're, they're the only ones that need that time to get their – to work up, the starters to work up to, you know, three, four, five innings by the end of spring training, six innings. They can start now doing that wherever they are, doing that. You know, when spring training starts, they can they can be on that program. The hitters don't need – I've had hitters tell me, you know, at Gary Sheffield used to tell me, I need like 30, 40 at-bats, man. That's it. Yeah. Most hitters, 60, 70 is more than enough at-bats. Yeah. They don't need 80, 90, 100.
0: Yep. Yeah. They don't get guys, guys come into camp in shape right. now. They're not. Ain't like it they used to be. It's not their first time running in the outfield when they go out there day one of spring training. They're, yeah, they're training all offseason.
1: I'm just a little worried. Like what we were talking about, those the owners, how they can they can afford to lose ten games in April, and it's not a big deal to them. That's the only thing that worries me. I just hope that they can look at. Beyond their own uh, bottom line and look at the good of the game and realize you can't do that, man. People just yeah, and f- especially with the Braves, man, they don't want it, their World Series not to be able to raise that flag on Opening Day and give the rings and all that. They, yeah. you know, you don't want it, you, you want that to happen. You on, also don't want to give
0: that ring to Freddie in a Dodgers uniform, <laughs> ooh,
1: like the Nationals had to do. Yep. Well, shit, the Nationals had to do it in front of nobody in the in, nobody in the yeah, stands. Theirs worse. was the ultimate. Bad yep. year to win the championship. But, yeah, you do not want to present Freddie his ring.
0: In a different in a, uni. Oof,
1: oof. Okay, that's it. We'll be back. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. I know we ran on really long today. Uh, but, hey, it's first one in a while. So yep. we won't skip this long to, before Sounds we have good. another one. All right, See you guys everybody, soon. 755 is still real. And it'll always be real. <laughs> We're out. Thanks.